0: You're listening to NapaBroadcasting.com.
1: Thanks for joining us here at NapaBroadcasting.com. For journalism today, it's both the best of times and the worst of times. Certainly on a national level, it's under siege. The role of a free press is suddenly being called into question. However, as a result, the public is understanding perhaps better than ever what journalists do. Not gotcha, not sensationalism, but the daily work covering and reporting the news. This is as true in our little corner of the world as it is in the country and all over this third rock from the sun. To engage in a little talk about all of this at a time when journalism itself is making news, I'm joined by the Napa Valley Register editor and director of news content, Sean Scully, and it is my pleasure to welcome Sean here for the first time on NapaBroadcasting.com. Sean, thanks so much for coming in. Uh, thanks for having me. Talking a little about uh, journalism in general, the state of local journalism, and, and a little bit about your background. Talk a little bit about how you wound up at the Register. A lot uh, of people know that you were in Calistoga, that yeah. you are editing the paper there, but not a lot about where you were in your interesting career before yeah, that. Yeah, it
0: was a really circuitous route. I, I, uh, I was going to do radio coming out of college, actually. I was between that and cooking. And radio didn 't pay well, and cooking had terrible hours so i uh, I got a job I saw an ad in a lo- the local newspaper for a reporter for a weekly newspaper, and so I said, Meh, I could do that so I got together some hi- some old high school newspaper clips and some history papers from college. Put on my only jacket and went up and got the job because I was on time and my predecessor had been fired for being habitually late. And it was a terrific job. It was still possibly my favorite. It was a little tiny weekly newspaper of circulation of about 2,000, about the same size as the St. Helena Star in this little rural community. And I just had the greatest time. And um, I was did that for a while. I was the editor of a weekly newspaper. And then my wife got a job in D.C., so I I went through several... Several different journalism jobs. In fact, I've had more than I'm <laughs> comfortable admitting. It's uh, kind of a job hopper, but it means well, I've a been all over the It's a journey in business, in that it, sense. It really is. Um, and, and I've covered everything from little town councils, very much like you get uh, here in Napa Valley, uh, all the way up to covering Congress for a number of
1: years for The Washington Times. Well, it's an interesting career arc because you're, you're from Virginia. There's yep. a little paper you were talking about. You were in Virginia. You were in Maryland. And then you wound up in D.C., and you were working for the Washington Times, and you were covering national politics yeah, at that yeah. point. And the normal, or what we think is the normal career arc is, with respect to journalism, would be from local papers to national, and then, you know, bigger than that, go from the Washington Times to the Washington Post or whatever it might y- yeah. be. But you circled back to, to really wanting to do local stuff.
0: And it's what I actually had always wanted to do. I mean, I grew up in the D.C. area, not literally inside the Beltway, but I could see the Beltway from my attic. And uh, and in D.C. national news is local news. I mean, that's what what you talk about. My dad worked for the State Department, so you know flaps in the State Department were things we talked about at dinner. And it was a real shock to me to go work at this little tiny rural weekly newspaper. And I realized people weren't people didn't care what happened in in Washington. They may have known who their congressman was. But they really didn't care, and they really didn't even care what their general assembly member did in in Richmond. What they wanted to know is what did the town council do? What did the school board do? And um, getting back to national politics, I mean, I had a great time covering Congress. It's a it's a fabulous job, but I just could not take it all that seriously because I knew out there, sort of in the heartland, people weren't looking. You know, in Washington, everybody acts like everything that's going on is the most important thing, and that everybody's looking, and it's all very grand and dramatic. And I kind of knew the truth that most people really didn't know or didn't care. Um, And so a chance to get back to this kind of ground-level local journalism is really
1: refreshing. But there was always the nexus between what was going on in Washington and what was going on in the heartland. And as Tip O'Neill said so correctly, all politics is local, that it all does circle back to what's going on in these communities. That's true.
0: And I mean, Washington makes a big difference, but I think for most people, what they want to know... Uh, you know, isn't whether someone managed to invoke cloture in the Senate, it's um, did your congressman call you back when you called him? Did he get the post office named for this local notable? Did he, did he get the flood control district done, you know, uh, uh, control project done? Those kind of things really matter to people in very much the same way as what the city council does or what your local school board does.
1: Do you think that those things still matter, to the same degree today. We have a far more transient population, obviously. People move around a lot more. People have far less roots in the community that they're in. They're generally or oftentimes commuters to somewhere else, and they're really absorbed in their own lives. To In terms of what you've seen, talk about the degree to which that kind of local stuff still matters to people. I, I think
0: it really does. I think it matters a great deal. I mean, some of the minutiae of it, maybe not. You know, people aren't necessarily tracking the, the activities of the city council quite as closely as they used to. But think about it. I mean, look on. Look at what's going on in social media, right? What do people get excited about? It's when, and I'm leaving aside national politics, I'm thinking mm-hmm. locally. You know, it's uh, what were the sirens last night? Why was there a helicopter flying over Napa? Hey, what what was the accident? And that still is the stuff that on 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 our newspaper site. I mean, we don't even have to promote it. Those things just fine right. clicks, and people love it. So I think people really have a hunger to know what's going on right around them. I mean, I think people are still very interested in national politics, but there are a lot of different outlets that can tell you what the Trump administration's doing or you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But not that many outlets
1: that that'll tell you what the sirens were last night. Right. And I always wonder, I mean it's a struggle that that I wonder about the degree to which people care about that. I mean I remember back in back in the old days, you know, nineteen years ago when I was was first at the radio station at KVON and KBYN. That people did care about that. If something happened, sirens went off, people would call in. People were very, people had lived here a long time. They were very invested in what was going on locally. Over time, as the demographics changed, as the population changed, I continued to get the sense that it just didn't matter. People didn't care. They had other things to worry about, other things that they were focused on. It just didn't matter as much. I mean, maybe, maybe no, it that does. really, yeah,
0: that hasn't that hasn't been my experience. I mean, there are other outlets. I mean, have you been on Next Door, for example? Uh-huh. Um, I mean, you get these incredibly robust discussions uh, about local issues. I mean, if you go on right. the one for downtown, they're forever debating the homeless question or that kind of stuff. Uh, so, I think people, I think people they may not have the time for it. I mean, you don't, I don't think people have the time to come home from work and sit down and read the afternoon daily newspaper as much as they used to. Uh, But I think the interest is there. And that's part of our challenge is to um, still do what the newspaper used to do and be there in the morning when you're drinking your coffee, but also answer the question, what's going on right now? You know, it's, it's people's it might be attention span, it might be their expectation of instant gratification. So they don't want to wait for uh, tomorrow morning to find out what happened. Right. And if you're not providing it for them, they will go somewhere else or they will just make up something. Right.
1: And that really goes to the change with respect to instant gratification with where they get that information. If they hear the siren or there's an explosion or a loud noise, they want to know right away. It's not like, I want to see the paper tomorrow morning what that was all about. If you're not going to put it up, or if it's not on the radio, it's going to be on Twitter, or it's going to be on Nextdoor, or it's going to be on Facebook or somewhere.
0: Right, and that, that's put a lot more pressure on us and all traditional news media to, to sort of cater to that at this very same time as you know, some of the business models, as you well know. The, the, biz, the advertising business model that sustained us, that sustained radio, that sustained TV, uh, has really changed because of the Internet, so that has put a lot of pressure on our staff. Uh, I think what's really happening is a lot of the traditional media is blending. I mean, what what we're doing now is coming an awful lot closer to what you were doing at radio all those years and what mm-hmm. I was doing at radio in college. Uh, we're, we're more like a broadcaster now. Broadcasters are more like newspapers because they're putting up text versions of the stories right. they're doing. and they're
1: not you know live and local. I mean, there have been a bunch of stories in, in the radio trade press about a lot of things that have happened, if there's the shooter in Florida where the local radio stations, you know, they weren't live, especially if something happens on a weekend or a Friday or at night or whatever it might be. They're not live. I mean, they really have to scramble to catch up. And that's uh,
0: one of the one of the interesting things is you, you, I think you're going to find – what's happening in our company certainly is true, and I'm, I'm sure you're going to find it everywhere – is that a lot of that's consolidated, that um, if you have an active uh, company-wide sort of national news distribution – and a nice local uh, angle with local people f- thinking about what the readers are interested in. You can you can get a lot of that stuff out there. I mean, we're not going to be CNN. The Napa Valley Register will never be CNN, <laughs> right. but we can certainly get a breaking news alert up when the president nominates a Supreme Court pick, or when uh, you know, like as happened yesterday, Prolific Prep said it was pulling out of international right. game. You know, that's the kind of thing where we're getting it out a lot faster than we would have when my career started or when your career started. It's it's. It, It's got to be out there within minutes.
1: When you think about it from the point of view of an editor and and the traditional editor's role of of really determining what's news, what isn't, what's important, what are the priorities, how do you triage that day's information, that's changed too because in many ways it's not your decision. I don't mean you personally, but an editor's decision. It's driven by what the public's interested in, what's getting the clicks, where is that coming from? And I know that offends a lot of people in in journalism.
0: yeah, I mean, it doesn't offend me exactly. It's something we have to be cautious about. I mean, I I can sit there. It's it's amazing the tools we have. Uh, I can sit in real time and see who well not literally who's but I mean I can tell right. what kinds of people. I can tell the ages of people. I can tell where they're reading from on my stories. I can tell how far they're getting in the stories. I mean, we can watch all of this stuff, and so it's it's sort of it's kind of breathtaking to realize the 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 power you have in luring people to click through and, and and getting their attention and trying to balance that power with the responsibility to put out something substantive is really difficult. I mean there are there are major national news sites that um, well I 'll just spill it you know philly.com, where, where I lived in Philadelphia for a number of right. years philly.com is the the joint website of The Inquirer and the uh, the Daily News. And they're absolutely famous for their photo galleries of Philadelphia Eagle cheerleaders, the annual naked bike ride, and the um, the scantily clad ladies at the annual wing bowl competition. I know why they put them on there, because I, I haven't seen their analytics, but I'd be willing to bet you those are monster hits. Right. And I've told my people, we're not going to do that. You know, I'm not, I'm not above putting a feature about cute kitties. Okay, that's fine. But also, at the same time, we need to still be doing those stories that might get, you know, a 1,000 clicks rather than 50,000 clicks, right. because that, that's important. People need to know about what the city council did, what the, you know, what the land use is, what the what the rainfall is. People need to know that, and I need to put it out there. So it's a balancing act, trying to shed the stuff that really is useless with the stuff that's important, but... Maybe not quite so attention-grabbing versus the stuff that I just know is going to be a
1: you know monster Titanic hit. Right. Talk a little bit about it from the perspective of thinking about the the local news that you know people are not going to get anywhere else. For example, I mean I'll use radio as an example. For years, it was a staple of radio to give traffic reports. I right. Mean, that yeah. was the be-all and end-all of radio. There are a number of stations in major markets in this country that don't do traffic reports anymore because people get in the car, they get on their phone, they check Waze, they check Google Maps, it's live, real-time traffic, because as a radio station in a city, you're probably not going to cover in each individual report where somebody's going to be. They'll right. cover one freeway, somebody's on the other freeway or whatever. So that's gone by the wayside. Weather certainly useless. Everybody has that you know, at their <laughs> fingertips on their phone. So talk about it from the point of view of thinking about, you thinking about, what people can't get anywhere else and how that's really right.
0: important. Um, and, and that is a really important question, and, and I think one of the things that preserves local journalism, whereas sort of regional journalism, I, well, I'll step back a minute before I answer that and say, I think national journalism is doing very well. You look at the Washington Post, the New York Times, a number of other things. They've really figured it out, because they, they just do better what everybody else does. Um, local journalism is doing very well. Because we we are the only people doing these things where you're getting in trouble for at least for newspapers And I assume it's probably true of broadcast channels is the regional Like the big metro dailies Mm -hmm. that aren't the Washington Post, but also aren't the New York aren't the um, Napa Valley Register And I'm I'm sure the same is true of TV and it's for exactly that reason because a lot of the things that they used to do get done better uh, Either by a web app or some highly hyper local thing then to answer your question in that context a lot of the things that we do that nobody else does are the ones that require manpower, right? Uh, weather service—I can get that. You know, if, if if I do a weather report, I'm getting that from the National Weather Service, right? I'm just reading it. Um, traffic reports very much are the same kind of thing, but nobody else is sending a person to go sit at the Napa, board, Napa County Board of Supervisors for for three and a half or four hours and try to digest those right. things. And so, I occasionally I'll get. Angry readers will say, Well, you know, uh, the Chronicle does that better. I'm going to subscribe to the Chronicle. And I say, Damn eh, that's fine. It's a great newspaper, but they're probably never going to darken the door of the Napa City Council unless there's, you know, a scandal. So if you want to know what's happening with a traffic circle out front of your house or why they're chopping down all the, the trees on Soskill Avenue right now, um, that's not something that you're going to get out of the New York Times and it's not something you're going to um, get off of, you know, channel seven out of San Francisco. Uh, and you probably aren't going to get a really good answer on next door unless the mayor happens to be on. So we have the power or I have the power to say to one of my reporters, Hey, go find out what that is. And those are the most satisfying stories. And they often actually pay off in clicks. I mean, those kind of stories where we're helping somebody, we're explaining something, we're, we're telling people why something's happening to them
1: on a very local basis. Uh, do very well, and that—that's—that's that's what we do. How much do you separate in your own thinking, in terms of stories, the click side of it versus the dead tree paper side of it, and and how stories might play in either?
0: Um, it's in terms of an actual story, not that much. I mean, it kind of what's important. What's important in the printed page is, to a large degree, what's important online. I mean, it's the same kind of thing. Uh, you know, why are the trees getting chopped down? Or, you know, did you hear about this latest outrage or whatever? Uh, it, it, it does play out in when and how we play it uh, because we're almost talking to different audiences. It's really interesting. At first, when I started this... Uh, I had this idea that uh, something had to run online and then run the next day in print, and there was this Mm -hmm. sort of—and I began to realize it it doesn't work that way, actually, that that there's an audience that's reading in the print, and they're not so much reading online, and the online audience isn't really looking at the print paper. So if something's not super time-sensitive, we can run it in different ways. We can package it in different ways. Uh, Like, for example, our photo galleries, amongst our most popular items— uh, are our photo galleries, because people like to look at pictures of things. And, and we just don't have the room to, to run them in the print paper, by and large. Right. We try to run as many pictures as we can, but I can't put 25 pictures. Or you know, a great example, on our opinion page, we run one editorial com- uh, cartoon, cartoon a day, but we subscribe to this, uh, the Washington Post syndication service. They send us about 30 a week. So I just said, okay, why don't we package them up and publish them on Saturday and call a week in cartoons? Instantly, that was one of our top items for the week, because we can package something online in an entirely different way than we see it in print. So in terms of stories, it doesn't matter that much, but in terms of offering our readers things or thinking about how to tell a story, that's where it really matters. They're different. Each each medium has an advantage, and you have to learn to play
1: to it. Talk a little bit about it with respect to Enough happening. I mean, you have to put out a newspaper every day. It's a little easier online because you can just add sort of things as they happen. People are still catching up on other things, but the print edition has to it's, be new uh, every day. Obviously, uh, enough. It's a little harder online um,
0: because you have to keep that uh, the flow going. You know, with the newspaper. Um, Basically, we have a commitment to put only local news on the front. It's very rare you'll even see a wire story. Like, for example, yesterday we ran a wire story, but it it had a highly local angle to it. So we have about enough staff to have three, four, five good... Reasonable news stories every day. I mean, Napa is a quiet little town, so some days yeah, it's I mean, more of days, a challenge than others. I mean, well, but there are but days, by and large,
1: nothing's happening. Right. We
0: don't, we don't have that much trouble finding interesting things to write about, interesting people to write about. If there's no news, there's always somebody, some interesting character in the community. So that's actually not as hard as you'd think. What really can be very challenging, though, is putting stuff up on the website, particularly in the top spot where we have the same commitment to local news as, as we do on the front page. Uh, you'll notice we have five stories up there, and if if you've ever <laughs> monitored your own web traffic, if you don't post anything for a while, people go away, right? right? So we need to have something going there every two or three hours, or people think that nobody's at the helm, and that can be really challenging. And so and and sometimes that's why we pull up things that would never be on the front page. Right. Might be a sports story, might be um, you know a feature story, might be something else, just to sort of keep things keep things right. going. Right, a lot of it is just moving the pieces
1: around. A- that so and that it really looks is. new all the time.
0: Absolutely, and then social media, of course, is even more so. I mean, people, you, you can just watch if you if you if you step away from Facebook for a day and go quiet, your traffic oh, will just crazy. collapse, right. and then within you know a few hours of getting back on there, it'll spike back up. Um, and that's that's where the clickbait comes in. You know, we don't really have that much clickbait on the web, main website itself. We'll have a few little things towards the bottom, but on social media to keep people engaged, trying to find something interesting that you haven't done before, that you know people haven't seen before, that that can be a real challenge. And and it's easy to get wrong. I mean, there've been times mm-hmm. where I've looked at our Facebook page and had to say, eh, let's you know scale back the puppy stories uh, a little bit, or alternatively get me a puppy story. There's nothing on there. So it, it, that's actually really challenging. It takes a lot more
1: time, even than it did two and a half years ago when I started. To what extent do you think about the demographics of Napa, who's reading online versus who's reading the print edition, and really the different constituencies within the community, and there are clearly very different constituencies, and some look at the paper or look the paper online f- for different reasons, and, right. and, and that really is always an, a sort of an underlying issue to, to what we all do. It's a challenge.
0: Um... I mean, it's very easy to be stereotypical and say young people are using social media, old people are reading the newspaper. It isn't that easy. But it's and not it just—you're right, yeah, exactly. I mean, Well, and there are different communities, obviously. Like, for example, um, you know, we're an English-language paper. There are a lot of Spanish speakers. We've made some stabs at trying to reach the Spanish-speaking community with varying levels of success. Um, so I mean and there there are different interest levels there are people who you know commute here but don't live here we're talking to them there are people who live here and commute out we're trying to talk to them and that that, it's all challenging Um, there's no magic formula I do try to sort of um, I mean obviously I guess our core audience really are those people who are reading the newspaper or are reading the the uh, website every day and those tend to be locals Um, so we try to Sort of find things that are interesting to them. For example, I um, I really want a wine business, wine industry business reporter. We used to have one years ago, but right. somehow lost that. Uh, and I was looking at how do I do that? I can't just add staff. We, we can't do that. So I was looking at our business reporting, which is primarily non-wine, right? We have a, a reporter who does stories about new local businesses, new local restaurants, you know, development, that kind of stuff, and almost never wine. So I thought, well, you know, maybe we just reorient our business. Our business page. Except I looked and I realized that some of our most popular local stories are about local businesses. And why is that? I think it's because residents want to know what restaurants opening or you know the the retirement story about the nice people from Cambodia who made donuts for years. Mm-hmm. People love those stories. They're sure hits. They're sure hits online. And I'm I'm quite sure if I could get those kind of uh, numbers from the printed paper, they're probably very popular in the printed paper. So I said okay my readers are really, really interested in this, so I've got to find a different way to tell the wine story. So I actually repurposed some other positions in order to try to do that. And that, I guess, in a sense, is sort of listening to what locals want, what
1: the readers want. They told me with their with their eyeballs and with their fingers what they liked. It's interesting, particularly in the wine area, because there are so many locals that are, and some that don't even realize it sometimes, as you well know, that are impacted by and touched by and have an economic connection to the wine industry. And sometimes they're not even aware of how deep that connection is.
0: Right. What I wanted to do, I mean, we, 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 we have plenty of columnists and writers who can tell you what the Cabernet of the Week is or that kind of stuff. Uh, and so when I, when I hired this person— um, Henry Lutz is his name. Uh, I told Henry, I I want you to do two things. First, I want you to cover the wine industry in such a way that the insiders might be interested. What are the deals? What are the trends? That kind of stuff. But in a sense, also treat it like a foreign correspondent. Dispatches back from the from the wine front. Tell people who aren't in aren't in the wine industry or don't think they're in the wine industry what's going on. Make it comprehensible and accessible. Tell them how it's affecting their lives. Um, tell them how it's affecting their county. Tell them why they should care because they really should care. Even if you don't drink wine, don't I know anything about wine, wine really matters to everybody who lives in Napa County in one way or another. Right. And so uh, that's, he, he's still in kind of the early process of getting his feet under him and figuring out how this beat works. But that's the kind of story I want to tell is for, for not just for insiders, but for everybody.
1: As you look at the, at the community and looking at all of it from 30,000 feet, essentially, what do you see as the changing dynamics of the community, the trends things that and certainly the covering the wine industry is is one part of that that as you look three, four years down the road, what you want to try and stay ahead of
0: uh, well i think I think telling the story of gentrification, people don 't think Napa County is gentrifying you know they think it 's this little rural you know or they, they like they to right about. well they, you know people, people like to pretend we 're not part of the bay area right I mean they like to pretend like we 're this little rural Enclave, and in many ways we are, but we're part of the Bay Area. The roads lead from the Bay Area right here, and we are sitting on possibly the largest pot of money ever created by mankind in history, right? And that money will go somewhere, and that money wants to go where it's pleasant and nice and beautiful and there's lovely wine. And so I think people don't, a lot of people in Napa County, don't realize that we have an enormous amount in common with the Mission District in San Francisco uh, in the sense that that money's coming. It's desirable. You can't legislate. You can't legislate against new people moving in. You can't legislate against growth. And I'm saying that not necessarily. You can legislate against certain kinds of growth. you You can legislate on the volume of growth. But but just the nature of our society and our our culture. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you can legislate it. around the margins, but the right, growth's going exactly. to happen. But but people are still going to want to come here, and so I think that's the defining story. Is almost essentially dealing with our success because uh, the traffic problems. You can look at the traffic studies. The the, the the tourists aren't the problem per se. It's the fact that people can't afford to buy a house here, right? And so, therefore, if the people who are working in our restaurants, in our hotels, in our schools, and in our wine tasting rooms live in Vallejo, in, in Vacaville, in, in, in Middletown. Those are the people, by and large, on the roads. Um, and that—there's uh, no easy answer, and that's where the tension is now, and that's where the tension is going to, to get
1: worse is as legislators try to figure out how to deal with that. When you say the tension, talk about what you see as that tension. Is it the tension among the locals? Because the truth is that a lot of the locals that objected to that for so long lost that battle. A lot of them have either died off or moved away. Or moved
0: away. Uh, yeah, I mean it's easy to sort of say, um, to stereotype it as the old timers versus the newcomers and it's really not, or, or, you know, the wine industry against the non-wine industry or whatever. It's, it's a lot more nuanced than that because there's tension within all of these groups. So there are some people, uh, there are people who genuinely lament, you know, the, that Napa is not the way it was in 1950, and that's true everywhere. Um, but I think the, the tension is people don't know what to do with it. They know their community's changing, and they don't know what to do about it. And so they're casting about for people to blame they're casting about for solutions they're casting about for new places to live or whatever i mean it and it's and there is tension because there's no easy answer you know if you're going to build uh a new affordable housing complex that's going in somebody's neighborhood right or if you're building a new winery that's going in the empty field next to somebody's house and 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 that's that's what the tension is because people just They don't quite know what to do about it.
1: And you see it. I mean, you talk about the Mission District. I mean, you see it in San Francisco in a really profound way. And and the objection isn't just even old-timers. The objection is people that are sometimes very successful and you know we're newcomers themselves 10 yes. years ago 20 years ago in San Francisco but now there's a whole new wave that, that they
0: object to. Right exactly. I mean a, a, you know there're plenty of sort of Napa natives or five generation natives who are out there saying you know this is terrible but a lot of people who say this is terrible are ones who just like me, came at some point and fell in love with this place and said, wow, I could live here, and they moved here, and now it's not the same place. And that's one of the difficulties, and it's not true just in Napa. It's true generally anywhere that's changing is it's very easy to get consensus that we liked it in the old days, but then if you say, okay, what was the old days? Well... For me, the old days was 2011. For someone else, it might be, you know, 1996. For someone else, it might be, you know, 1932. And, and every single person has that moment in his mind when he fell in love, became aware of and fell in love with Napa County, and has in his or her mind the point at which it no longer became that place. And for every single solitary person, that's different.
1: Yeah, for some people, it's usually just, I had to wait two light cycles to go right. cross track.
0: Yeah, and then, you know, you sort of get the, you know, having directly moved here from a, a big city with horrendous traffic problems and corruption. And, you know, I spent the first year or two here going, you people have no idea, right. you know, you think this is bad, I'll show you, I'll take you back to
1: Philadelphia and show you bad. Well, I mean, I moved here from Los Angeles, as you know, and you know people would talk here about traffic. It's like what traffic? Where? What? I don't see any. <laughs> and it's and
0: it's all a matter of perspective, and that's that's part of the tension because everybody has a different idealized version of what Napa County was and should be, and, and there's no really easy answer.
1: But the other part of it is, and as you said before, it is going to continue to change. It is not going to right. stop at any point. It may to have cycles where it grows more, grows less, but the change will continue to happen. Right. And the that, gentrification will continue to the happen. The gentrification
0: will continue to happen and and a lot of that is driven by money. And I mean think about it, we're kind of a victim of our own success, right? Because in nineteen sixty, uh we probably looked an awful lot like uh, you know, Sunnyvale, uh, you know, or Sunnyvale looked like what we look like right. now. And we've managed to succeed in keeping the little tiki tacky houses off of the off of the hills, as you see in the East Bay and the South Bay, Uh, we've done a great job. But that also then makes makes us a desirable location. Plus also, you know, we, in a sense, what's happening to us right now was a built-in part of the ag preserve in 1968. You know, the deal was develop, develop, develop in the cities to the maximum possible extent so that you don't develop, develop, develop out in the ag preserve. Well, you're welcome. We succeeded. But that also then creates these weird warped land use uh, issues uh, uh, it it distorts the property values within the cities, and, and all of these things. So the seeds of what we see now
1: were set with the ag preserve and some of the subsequent right. legislation. But it's so interesting the, the choice where, and it's not just you. I mean, other people say the same thing about us. Be a victim of their own success. The implication of that is that there's somehow a victimization that it's somehow bad, when in fact the argument can be made that all of this is good. If you look at Napa. In my view, in the view of many, you know, 17 years ago, 20 years ago, it was a pit. It was awful. Right. And when I say victim of hard success, I don't really— and It's I, not, I don't, it's I don't not mean a criticism. But I mean, people no, use no that to,
0: word. You know, there's no way to argue it, though, that uh, the traffic sucks on Highway 29. I know. I live in Calistoga. I'm out there <laughs> contributing to it every day. So I drive down. I drive back. Fortunately, it's against traffic, so my commute isn't too bad. But, oh, boy, do I feel for those people who live in Napa and work in St. Helena. I see them every day. And just in the last two and a half years it 's gotten substantially worse that 's a problem you know i, I there 's a there 's a beer maker over in Sonoma county I know, and he uh he 's wildly successful but but won 't expand his business and he 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 says people are saying, "Oh, that must be a really nice problem to have and he says yes, but it 's still a problem so you know we we have we are wildly successful and it's it's really nice to live here.
1: And so in a sense it's sort of nice that we have these problems, but they're still problems. And to bring it back finally to the journalism aspect of it, talk about how you see the paper covering this and talking about this. This goes beyond the daily news and all the other things we were talking about before. These are the trend stories, the things that are going on that in many ways are the broader underpinnings of all the, the day-to-day stuff that you talk right. about.
0: Right. And that's actually, of all the challenges I've talked about, that's the hardest because it, our staff is small. I mean, I can't, you know, it's, it's a fraction of what it was. Just at the time, I really want to be telling these kind of stories. So, what we're trying to do, and I've tried to get my reporters, even in their daily stories, to get a little more depth, get some context. What what else is happening? What underlies this? Um, fortunately, I've got a couple of good people on my staff who who have the time and the the inclination to do good project stories. Uh, that's what I'm hoping out of Henry on the on the wine beat is to to do some more thoughtful looks at what is actually going on. I, and I don't know if you guys read Barry Eberling. He's our county reporter. Barry sure. does really good, high-concept um, think pieces. Uh, he doesn't have time to do them all the time, but where we can get into it and, and, and try to broaden the outlook, one, one of my first things I told everybody is you're not just writing for your city, whatever your city is, you're writing about the county. So anything anytime you're writing about the city of Napa, I want you to find out what Yountville and St. Helena and the county and Calistoga are doing about it, because we're all in American Canyon, because we're all in this together. So just little things like that help tell the story and get some some sense that something's going on outside of your own little siloed community. And then where we
1: can, we try to tell the longer stories. And how do you see telling those stories in the context of being in the Bay Area, as you said before? I'll I'll tell you a a real quick story. When I first came here, it was first at the radio station, and this goes back almost 20 years— somebody said and i was you know always in big cities this was pretty small by comparison somebody said to me well you know you don't really want to talk about san francisco because it's you know it's only 45 miles away but it's like another world well, no, it's not. I didn't think it was then, but it's certainly not now. Certainly all those things that you're talking about that are happening are happening in the context of being part of the Bay Area.
0: Yeah, and that's uh, to the extent we can, I'd like to do that. We haven't done as much of it just because I mean really it's hard. Right? It's hard. Um it would be hard with a big staff, but it's hard really hard with a small staff. Uh one of the things we can do though is in terms of our wire coverage. We've really tried to up our our use of local and regional wires on the on our web and, and in print too. Uh and so what we're trying to do is look for stories that might resonate uh and so it's not an accident when we run a particular story about something happening in san francisco or berkeley or or oakland or something we're we're trying to tell the story by showing people that other things are happening even if we're not the ones telling the story we're sort of telling the story by carrying somebody else's story so we're on the lookout for stories that 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 might resonate i mean we my Our company owns the paper down in uh, Santa Maria, mm-hmm. uh, near San Luis Obispo. Uh, we've been sharing some wine coverage because they're going through many of the same struggles. So we trade stories back and forth because I know that that's a bigger, broader, regional story. And just by letting people know, hey, this is happening to somebody else too, um, that can inform them. You can look at different solutions. Um, and you just know you're not alone it's not just a Napa county thing right.
1: there's also the degree to which it it parallels what's happened in a lot of other kind of resort oriented communities you know, whether it's an Aspen or Vail or yeah. the Hamptons or, you know, we could go through the list, I mean, that have dealt with very similar problems, maybe not vineyard, different kind of land use issues, but nonetheless, similar kinds of problems, similar kinds of growth issues.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I would I would really love to be able to tell that story better. Um, interestingly enough, our, uh, a certain number of local officials, I don't know if all of them, but certainly some I've talked to are aware of that. Right. Uh, like, for example, Calistoga's experiment with the, with the Santa Rosa shuttle, which, right. you know, didn't work out, but is... They didn't really kill it. I mean, they have got a. But it was a great it. try. It, it was, was just a great a try, ahead of its time. Uh, and perhaps. you know, there's some there's some things cooking out there <laughs> about sort of workforce housing for non-wine related, you know, for hospitality. Well, that's what Aspen's doing. You know, they they right. have city funded housing, uh, but you got to prove you work in a local hotel. That kind of stuff. So people are talking about it. I wish I could tell more of that story as a journalist, but but you know,
1: we got to cover the city council. <laughs> <laughs> and talk finally about the support that you get from the parent company, because you're part of a a big company that owns a lot of newspapers. And in many ways, you may have the same population and the same circulation as a lot of other communities of similar size, but it's a more complex community. There are more, as we've been talking about here, there's a lot more stories to tell and the degree to which they understand that.
0: Yeah. um, Right. And well, to their credit, they're 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 giving us a lot a lot of support actually and putting a lot of money into the print edition, which is nice. I mean we've had a number of redesigns. They've you know consolidated and streamlined the production process, which has uh, saved us a lot of a lot of time. I don't know how much money it saved us, but it's saved us certainly a lot of staff time, it freed up a lot of resources. Um they're giving us more support on national kind of news. Um fortunately, they're not you know, telling me what to cover. A lot of people sort of say, oh, you know, you must be getting marching orders from somewhere. No, they don't. They don't do that. Um, and they've been been really pretty good about letting us decide, because our markets are very different. I mean, right. our, the company owns everything from you know, Coos Bay, Oregon, to the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, which is one of the great fabled, storied American dailies. And if you think about the diversity of kinds of people and communities that that, that represents, if you try to one-size-fits-all Solution, it wouldn't make any sense because what makes sense to somebody in Waterloo, Iowa, doesn't make sense necessarily to somebody in in Napa, California, or Calistoga, or wherever. Um, So, again, the trick, the balancing act, is to take advantage of the of the economies of scale that a bigger company can provide while trying to have somebody on the ground here who's keeping in mind that our readers are these sorts of people and and. And, and that's why I invite people to call me and email me so freely, because I really want to know what people are thinking, what they like, what they don't like, um, you know, when we screw up, whatever. Um, and that's the, that's the value of local journalism. Unfortunately, our company seems to take that very, very seriously.
1: Sean Scully, editor of the Napa Valley Register, I thank you so much for coming in. Great. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to NapaBroadcasting.com. Napa Valley Radio for the way we live now.